This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 76, recorded on July 24th, 2017. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we're going to be discussing a beautiful and heart-wrenching fan post on Let's Go Tribe. We'll talk about the juiciness of baseball, we'll preview the deadline some more, and talk about players who may have saved their jobs over the last couple weeks, and of course, we'll take your questions. But before we get into all that, I wanted to thank everybody listening live now on Facebook or wherever, whenever you may be tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Joining me for all this and more, as we always do on Monday night, is Mr. Jason Lucart. Jason, how are you doing? I've agreed to join you for all this. I have not agreed to join you for more. We'll, we'll see how things go. <laughs> There's going to be more. It's just going to come randomly. You're not going to know. You're going to have to woo me if more. you want more than just this, Matt. <laughs> is Indians baseball not enough to woo you, Jason? Is two uh, Carlos Santana home really runs in one night? The day lately. <laughs> if comparing the the last series to this series, this this has got to woo you a little bit, right? Yes, four game winning streaks are better than four game losing streaks. <laughs> Which we should note is like the first four game in what was like three hundred something games or days. One of those. Yeah, the losing streak in twenty fifteen was the last one. Yeah, that's twenty fifteen is a weird, weirdly long time ago now, but. But that losing streak is over now. The Indians are back on the East Coast, which is nice. And they're winning again against maybe not the greatest teams in the world. <laughs> they swept the Blue Jays and beat the Reds once, which is nice. Um, I don't know. I like tonight a lot. We just finished watching it, obviously. Carlos Santana homered twice. Maybe he's back. We'll talk about him later. Anything else that you that you really liked watching in this series? Or these series is? Uh, the Corey Kluber's pitching... Uh, which we'll get in, we can get into him more in a little bit too, but uh, he continues to be fantastic. That's fun. Uh, Trevor Bauer continues to drive me bonkers. That's less fun. Um, no, I mean the last four games, a nice turnaround. The you know we said a week ago that neither of us was worried, uh, and then they got swept in San Francisco. I still wasn't worried. I was mostly just annoyed. Um, I don't know. I know a lot of it's just the comparison to last year when they, you know, reached the World Series and played so well down the stretch and overcame so many setbacks. So I know some of it's just kind of the natural fall off from that buzz. I, just, like, I feel like a lot of the season, the Indians just haven't been a lot of fun to watch. They've been frustrating, sort of dull at times. Um, but the big offensive explosion Friday night, uh, you know, Kluber pitching the way he did, Lindor getting things going. You, you can't really beat a, a walk-off home run. Uh, and then my beloved Carlos homering twice tonight. The last four games have done a lot to improve the mood of Indians fans everywhere, I'm sure. And that was not only the first walk-off in a little while, that was the first walk-off since the home opener. Since the very first walk-off they could possibly have, <laughs> that was the first one they've had. So that was nice to see. The whole angry Lindor is starting to become a thing now, because he did it against the Rangers. He had an error and then... Like an inning later, he hit that grand slam, and now in that game he had an error late, and then he had another home run to win. So maybe we hope that Lindor is bad on defense once every once every game or so when they're home. Maybe yeah, that, or I wonder <laughs> if there's someone with enough coaching experience in the staff to convey to Lindor that he doesn't have to wait till he makes an error to hit like that. No, that's that's not true. You can't do that. It's it's mental, Brett and whoever you are, Jason. Why do I keep calling you Brian? I know I keep calling you Brian because I also do a podcast with Brian. But no, it's all mental, Jason. There's no there's no possible way that he could just hit the ball good. It, it's got to be yes to get fired up, get that clutch gene working. <laughs> but yeah, Luke, let's just talk about Corey Kluber. Uh, you sort of mentioned him. Holy cow, 14 strikeouts on Sunday. And keep in mind, that was a game he wasn't supposed to – he might not have pitched almost. They were talking about that. It might have been Tomlin taking over just that day, maybe bumping him back. Or maybe someone else had to start altogether because he was having more injury issues. But um, I think he's okay. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what was wrong with him, but I think it's okay now. Since his injury, he has like, I think, over 100 strikeouts since June 1st. So Corey Kluber looks like he's back and okay, and that's that's pretty good for the Indians. Yeah, I think it was, it was neck stiffness he was dealing with. And I have no idea if that's the kind of, like, if that's like chronic uh, or if he just slept funny or what. Uh, but yeah, he's been great. I mean, I think there's there's not really any way to make a sound argument for anyone but Chris Sale as the best pitcher in the American League this season. Uh, but I think Kluber has been second best. 
and yeah, I mean, 14 strikeouts the other day. His 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 strikeout rate is I'm pretty sure at a career high right now. Um, he's been incredible, and I think uh, I mean we should say this for another week so we can both look into it a little bit and have a more informed conversation about it. But I think at this point, it's worth asking, filling in the blank, Corey Kluber is the best Indians pitcher since, uh, you know, because coming into this year, I think I probably still would have said Sabathia had done a little bit more for the Indians, but it was pretty close in my mind then. And Kluber's been so good this season that I think he's probably moved ahead of him, and I don't know who you'd have to go back to before. I think we're potentially looking at going back like 40 years to find someone who is this good for the Indians as a pitcher. Yeah, I would say he's he's got to be very close to CC Sabathia. Um, I was looking; he's he's climbing up the war ranks of Indians pitchers, which isn't everything, but um, he's getting there. The Indians were they're talking about maybe getting some pitcher, which is what Chris Antonetti said. Do you think that Kluber being so good coming back, and even Danny Salazar? In his debut, we can talk about him too. Seven innings, eight strikeouts, didn't walk anybody, which is the biggest one for him. Um, do you think maybe this kind of stops them from even considering like a Sonny Gray, or are they still going to try to find some kind of pitcher? Uh, well, I mean, I never thought they were going to go out and get Sonny Gray or anyone on that level, even when Salazar was still out, and even I just it just didn't feel like something that was going to happen. So to me, this doesn't change that scenario really, just because. I didn't think that scenario was was in the cards. I still think it's reasonable to be at least a little concerned about the rotation's health. Um, you know, Kluber's had multiple different things, and like you said, I mean, he looks completely healthy and stuff. Um, but he still has, you know, been pushed back a couple times, missed a start here or there, uh, and then you know, Salazar looks great. But Salazar's looked great a lot before. I think the real question is, can Salazar keep it together for four months? Uh, I think, you know, 2015, I think he was healthy all season. But 2014, he missed some time. You know, 2016, he did. Uh, you know, he's missed time this year. Uh, and I know some people feel like it was probably good for him to miss some time because now it's like a shortened season for him. But even from, you know, late July to late October, uh, might be too long for him, so we'll see. I don't. I don't think a big trade for a pitcher is coming, um, but certainly Salazar looking so good in his return, and Clevenger looking good lately. Uh, you know, the two of them behind Kluber and Carrasco is a really good one through four, and then you don't have to worry about letting Trevor Bauer or Josh Tomlin on the mound in the postseason. Yeah, and I, after last year, I'm never going to say that there's the Indians have too many pitchers. That's never a thing that I think I will say again. But they do have. A lot of pretty good ones now because there's Carrasco, Kluber. I'm I've always believed in Mike Clevenger, and now I think I might not be crazy believing in him. And Danny Salazar looks really good. Um, Josh Tomlin once in a while can be good. I still don't know about Tomlin. Like you said, he's just kind of infuriating to watch. But if the Indians are going to trade for somebody, I think the, the way Chris Antonetti says said it, it was he was going to find the right pitcher, which I guess could be anything. In theory, it could be a bullpen arm or a starter. But so I'm just going to throw one out there. I just want to know what you think, uh, Lance Lynn. He used to be really good for the Cardinals. He's still pretty good. He's just 30. He'd be a half-year rental. Um, we don't know what the price of a rental pitcher is yet. We've seen a bunch of really cheap like outfielders and power bats going cheap so far in the, at the deadline. But what do you think of like, a half-season of 30-year-old Lance Lynn? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like again, like you said, I don't know what the, you know, the asking price for him would be. I mean, I think he's an upgrade over Bauer or Tomlin, clearly. Um, and... You know, you could make a pretty good argument that he's an upgrade over, you know, Clevenger, even Salazar, when you consider, like, complete track record and health history and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Lynn hasn't been a model of health either. And I just don't know that he's enough of an upgrade to be worth giving up that much. Like, again, like, if, you know, if he came back to me and like, oh, you know, the Indians give up like their seventh best prospect and i'm like yeah sure what, what the heck uh but i don't think i'd want to give up like a top five prospect for him and I, I just i don't have a good enough read on what the market for someone like him would be to say yeah i don't it's definitely not going to be like we've always talked about before you're not going to trade a seven eight nine guy but it's not going to take tristan mckenzie either i don't think because he had he missed all of 2016 and like you said he's had injury problems in the past so i don't know after I'm off the Sunny Gray train now. I think Stalzar at least has me enough to be off of that. 
So I'm going to just take a little step over to the Lance Lynn train, just casually walk onto it. I'm not steering it yet like I was the Sunny Gray train, but I at least like the idea of Lance Lynn. Um, his biggest issue this is this year is giving up a ton of home runs, but maybe he can stop doing that because it's like an unsustainable amount he's giving up. But I don't know. I like the fact that he can be consistent, which is something the Indians don't have at the back end of the rotation. That is nothing. Josh Tomlin, I think we just call him a streaky pitcher at this point. He'll go off for like one or two games and then have a bunch where he gives up just like double-digit home runs over a couple starts. And even tonight when he was good, he had, what was it, like two solo home runs. So I don't know. And then Bauer is just wild all over the place. So I like the idea of the Indians having some consistent guy at the back besides – because even Clevenger, I wouldn't call him consistent yet. Obviously, Danny Salazar is not consistent. So I don't know. It depends on what it's going to take to get a half year of a pitcher. I am interested in general to see what it would take. Am I – just making up in my head that it seems like rentals are worthless now? Or is it just what we've seen traded so far? Because J.D. Martinez is a pretty good player, and he went for basically nothing. Yeah, um, There I was another one was traded today. Who was it? I mean, if, if Lynn was the equivalent of that, I'd be fine with it. Um, and the Cardinals probably should be sellers. I don't know for sure that they will be. The NL Central is not much better than the AL Central, so they're not that far out of it, but if they're realistic, they're not going to make up ground on Milwaukee and outplay the Cubs down the stretch. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, looking at, I pulled up Lynn's numbers. His ERA is really pretty. His FIP's pretty ugly, and a lot of that is the home run rate, which, as you said, is, you know, sort of unsustainably bad. Um, but his walks aren't really out of line with Norm. His strikeout rate, his, uh, dropped a little bit. Um, I don't know. He's he's a better back of the rotation guy, but that's just not worth that much to me right now. Yeah. It just, it just depends on what he's going to be worth, I guess. Cause like like all trades, if it has to get up Tristan McKenzie for him, no, but if it's something less. I think probably what's going to happen is there's just going to be a couple like Brandon Geyer-esque trades, like Eduardo Nunez or somebody else in the infield they've been interested in, even Azurbel Cabrera. So I, I would assume they're going to get a bat because those – Half your rental bats look like they're worth nothing right now. So they can get that for pretty cheap and just not bother with a pitcher. Especially if Danny Salazar is okay. And if the bullpen, I'm pretty sure it's fine. I just feel like even like the bat like that, like whose spot are you looking for him to take? I mean, presumably Kipnis and Chisenhall are back, you know, sometime next month. And I don't think you're getting anyone who's going to take a roster spot from one of those two when they're back. So are you just trading for someone to like – ride out two or three weeks till those guys are back it just i don't know to me well that's part of it yeah tinkering with the bullpen is the only thing that seems that plausible to me because what antonetti said when he said they're active today they're looking for a the right pitcher and a bench player so i think his jubal cabrera fits as a bench player if he can get over himself and do it and then if you get either nunez or cabrera either one like nunez plays third and moves um jose to second you have the depth until kitness is back and then he can be a bench player um, I assume that's what they were going after J.D. Martinez for if they were the other team going in as hard as reports were that they were going after him and then didn't end up getting him. I'm assuming he'd, like, take over right field and then be... Well, but I mean, like, Martinez is, Martinez is a great hitter. Like, he's a substantial upgrade over someone's bat. Whereas, like, Cabrera and Nunez, I mean, they're... They should be bench players at this point. So, just, I don't know. It, it, neither, like... I'm not going to be mad if they trade for him because I can't. Antonio's not going to give up any. Oh, Antonio, the Indians aren't going to give up that much for anyone like that. But it just neither of those guys moves the needle for me at all. In the back of your head, are you worried at all about maybe the fact that Chisholm and Kipnis might not be back very soon? It is kind of funny. Like in, it's switched back and forth. Sometimes they said Kipnis will be back first, and then Chisholm will be back first. So, is there maybe a little worry that they could be they could be gone longer than we think? And in that case, it would make a lot of sense to get one of those two. Longer than I would think would be, like, they're not back till late August. I could certainly believe that happens. But, like, I know part of this is just being overly confident that the Indians are going to hold off the Royals and Twins. But, like, I'm still mostly in the mindset of if the roster's healthy by, you know, two and a half, three weeks before the postseason, I'm not that worried about what the roster looks like for the six weeks or whatever between now and then. So all these rumors are fun, but uh, well, we're going to put fun in quotes for a minute now. Put that in quotes and put it off to the side. There was another one yesterday. Uh, Buster Olney, he likes to talk a lot around the cherry deadline. I can't blame him. Um, as someone who 
has been, I'm going to call it forced to, to cover the trade deadline <laughs> for the last three years. The more you write around the deadline, the more you're keeping your website afloat. So even at ESPN, Buster Olney's doing it. He just talks about, um, he'll just throw random ideas out there at the trade deadline. Um, you really have to be careful with his wording, but he kind of mentioned that the Indians could. Um, so the roundabout way he got to it was he said that the Indians were going after J.D. Martinez. So clearly they're trying to look for a way to replace the slumping Carlos Santana, which that statement already has not aged well. Uh, but he said that that might be a sign of why they were doing that. And they could be looking at several slugging first basemen or slugging DHs like Jay Bruce, Mike Napoli, some others, you know, just some names he threw out there. Well, uh, at Hipster Tito on Twitter, who's a very popular Indians person, he jokingly tweeted that the Indians are looking at Napoli, huh? And then Twitter just took it and ran with it. And I think it ended up as far as it got as MLB trade rumors where they picked it up as a story that the Indians are interested in bringing back Napoli. And there's a bunch of people that like that idea for some dumb reason, but I don't know. I kind of hate this time of year for, for a mix of stuff like that. Um, and just in general, there's, there's like no reason to write anything besides trade deadline stuff right now. So there's a, a huge void of like purposeful baseball writing. We're going to talk about one piece coming up. That was just a random fan post, but this time of year sucks for baseball writing <laughs> and baseball reading. Um, maybe the first year it was kind of fun, like following the rumors, but now it's just annoying and boring. One thing happens. I like right after a trade happens and maybe right before. And I like talking about the dust settling on the new teams after the deadline. But this like week beforehand time, this is the worst and it drags on forever. <laughs> and there's, there's fake rumors. Of course, the Indians are scouting people. Of course, they're talking to teams. Of course, other teams are talking to everybody. But it's the thing that so many people want to read about it. You kind of have to acknowledge it and talk about it so every site does the same thing and everybody's talking about essentially nothing it's all a bunch of baseball writing that'll be worthless in a week which i don't know it's not my favorite time of year but i get why it's exciting i guess do you, do you love the trade deadline jason do you want mike napoli back in cleveland i'm sure the answer to both of those is yes so no, the answer to both of those is no i mean <laughs> trades are fun but 97 percent of supposed trade possibilities aren't going to happen some of them are legit. Some of them aren't. We never really know which were or weren't or, you know, with any certainty. And it doesn't really matter. I enjoy not having to follow it as closely. i just being able to jump on and see what has actually happened. Uh, you know, the White Sox actually traded Jose Quintana and their farm system is pretty bonkers right now. Uh, as you said, the Tigers actually traded J.D. Martinez, which seems to signal they see themselves as sellers. They're apparently shopping Justin Verlander and potentially willing to eat some of the pretty significant money he's still owed. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if something happens with that. But interesting to see if something actually happens, not to, you know, every 10 minutes jump on and see if anything might be happening. Uh, to me, the Royals are the interesting team. They've definitely played themselves into contention and aren't going to be selling. To me now, what I wonder, do they, and I don't even know what they have to buy with. So my guess is no, but... Are they going to try to, to, to add anything at this point? Because they're only, you know, two games back uh, as I'm saying this. And, you know, for as much as you especially have down-talked them, and I've said that I can't picture them winning the division either, uh, they are still basically the, the roster that won the American League two and three years ago. They're not that far removed from that. So, uh I'll be interested to see what happens, but to me what's fun is the kind of like when the trade deadline has passed to kind of, as the dust is settling, look at what's new rather than trying to follow it minute to minute. Yeah, that's that's my exact feeling. I, I could do with, if I went into a coma from now until July 31st, I would wake up in a much better mood about the trade deadline, I think. Every time I see a tweet about the Indians had a scout watching Eduardo Nunez, I have to take a minute and look inside myself and see if I want to bother writing about that for way more clicks than it should get <laughs> for what it is. When you accepted my offer to take over and run <laughs> tribe, you wondered why I was laughing. But... <laughs> and I remember the first deadline season, I was like, can I do all this stuff? You're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you can, yeah. you can take it. I was all excited and little did I know what you were hiding from me, but no, and, and the Royals, I'm fully prepared. I've said it every week. I'm ready. If they, if they win, I'll take the crow. But for now they're, they're not going to, I'm so glad they're locked in. I want them to go more. I don't know what prospect they could possibly have left, but find a way to trade them. Find a way to just keep all your core players, Royals, and just screw yourself for a whole decade. <laughs> uh, so Mark Shepelton in the Facebook comments, a very important question. He wants to know, does the Indians search for a utility man mean that Michael Martinez won't be called up? This seems like a joke question, 
but I wouldn't consider it a joke because <laughs> there was a, there's a very good chance that Michael Martinez might be in an Indians uniform again someday. But Jason, do you think the fact that they're looking this hard means they've finally given up on the Michael Martinez show? No, I okay. don't. Like I said, I don't. I don't think. I don't think anyone they would trade for is going to be substantial, and like, they're probably not going to give anything up for us. If they want a reunion with this Drupal Cabrera, or they want to bring Nunez over, like again, that's fine. But I could just as likely see them saying, like, "What are we going to all this trouble for? Like, let's just." keep the players we have in the system and, and use one of them because they're just as likely to ground out weekly to the second baseman as anyone else. Uh, <laughs> in which case, Michael Martinez could be back. I mean, if nothing else, like September, the roster expands. If the Indians have clinched with like a week left, they're going to be giving guys some time off. Michael Martinez is a perfect guy to fill in for something like that. So I think there's a good chance we see him in an Indians uniform again. Why are you like this, Jason? What what made you this way? <laughs> I'm a realist. <laughs> Do you think at this point there's any reason to have him over Eric Gonzalez? I mean, how bad would Gonzalez have to be to replace him with Martinez? Even Urshela, if you keep Urshela up. And... And, like, again, like I don't think he's going to like come up to demote one of those guys, but if Urshela or Gonzalez are injured, or again, it's September, there's going to be like 10 more guys up. There's going to be more guys getting days off if the Indians you know, are, are doing well at that point. So there's just a lot of totally realistic scenarios that don't involve anyone else doing badly. They just involve a reason that someone like Marco Martinez ends up on the field. <clears throat> I, I will say this. I don't think we're ever going to see Michael Martinez in an Indian form in the World Series again. Okay, we said that last year. And we also said it doesn't matter. There's no way he'll be up in an important moment in the World Series. And now that picture is forever. So before we get into our, our other big news, well, not news story, but big post, let's take one more question from at Robbie Strzok on Twitter. Um, he said the Danny Salazar start, he threw an average of 97 miles per hour for his fastball. It obviously worked. Could Bauer, could Trevor Bauer do the same and be effective? Oh, uh, yeah. If Trevor Bauer just decides to randomly throw 97, maybe it'll work. <laughs> I mean, it's just not that easy, though. But yeah, if Trevor Bauer could get some velocity, maybe he could find something to work, but... I don't know. I think Salazar no, I, throwing hard work. Like, I'm open to the possibility that there's a lot of things Trevor Bauer could do. I just no longer care about any of those possibilities, and I'm only <laughs> concerned with what Trevor Bauer does. Uh, and in 2017, what Trevor Bauer does is pitch like crap for the most part and take forever to do it. Like Josh Tomlin <laughs> pitched tonight, got through his six innings in like – an hour and 40 minutes. Trevor Bauer can't even get through six innings and it's like an eight hour game by the time he comes out. So am I going to, am I safe to assume that when the Indians go down to a five man rotation, you're, you're kicking Trevor Bauer out? Yes. Now, is that what you want to happen or what you think is going to happen? Uh, it's definitely what I want to happen. <laughs> uh, what I think will happen. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they're going to do some weird, like, they're not going to do a six-man rotation, but not in terms of a, like, true six-man rotation because that makes no sense to not have Kluber and Carrasco pitching as often as they're fine to pitch. Uh, I don't know. I think we'll see all of those guys start multiple games again. But what I want to happen is for Trevor Bauer to never pitch for the Indians again. Right. When people think of a six-man rotation, it's it's never because you have too many good – it's rarely ever because you have too many great pitchers. It's because you have six pretty good pitchers. Like, like you said, you don't want to spread out Trevor Bauer, not Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco more than you have to. So a six-man right. rotation is not what the Indians are going to do. So um, a little late for uh, Father's Day, I guess. A little late for the, the SB Nation thing they had a while ago about being a fan. But we had a, a fan post the other day. It was called Game of Inches, a love letter to the Cleveland Indians from a girl and her dad. Um, from someone named Kelly Smith, who apparently just signed up and just posted it right on Let's Go Tribe, which... In a weird way, I feel honored that she chose to write this this huge letter to her dad, or to the Indians, about her dad on the site, which is really cool. Um, the, if you haven't read it yet, you probably, you really should. Um, it's just detailing about her dad and how they both watched the Indians all his life. When you read the first couple paragraphs, it's really clear where it's going to go at the end, but it's still, she's such a good writer. I don't, I've, I've looked around, she's never written anything else, but um, the way she ties everything together and just the love of her dad and the Indians and the joy of last season and how hard it ended and 
I don't know. Did you read it? And I don't know if it's, I think it's more difficult as a parent now. I imagine before I was a dad, not to pretend I'm some kind of hard ass or anything, but I've been like, oh, that's, that's neat. That's touching. But as a parent, it was way harder to read, I think. I don't know about, so what do you feel about the, the game of inches that was submitted? Yeah. I mean, it's really well written. Uh, And so someone who, like you said, you know, hasn't been, uh, I mean, presumably has been at least a, a, a sometime Let's Go Tribe reader, uh, you know, because she, she put it at Let's Go Tribe, but she wasn't a Let's Go Tribe commenter or anything like that. Uh, and, you know, so to drop in on sort of the first thing someone's ever written at the site, like comment, fan post, anything, uh, and it's, 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 it's beautifully written, it's a touching story, um, yeah, you know, I, and I think a big part of the reaction has been like, you know, for people to comment and how, you know, baseball has connected them with one of their parents. Um, and I know that's, you know, sort of almost to the point of being a cliche. Uh, it doesn't even have to be baseball. You know, in, in her case, it was the Indians. Uh, you know, but just to, when you know, and I, and I speak from experience on this, you know, when you know one of your parents is dying, um, you know, whatever your connections are to them um, become even more significant than they already were. Um, and she writes about the, you know, the time they got to spend together near the end that, you know, they got to go to one of the World Series games last year. Um, yeah, like like you said, anyone who hasn't read it uh, should absolutely drop by Let's Go Tribe and check it out. Uh, and for... Um, and for Kelly, if you're listening... Uh, We'd be happy to have you. I'm, I'm obviously not every story you have to tell can can be that sort of dynamic and, and powerful. Uh, but yeah, she writes really, really well, um, and it'd be great to have her just sort of a part of Let's Go Tribe beyond just the one fan post. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you normally at least have to edit a few things in fan post, but it was it was like flawless, and just the way she her style of writing, just everything about it, and the way she. Um, because it was called Game of Inches, and she was always describing, like, throughout the story how far away her and her dad were by inches, and at the very end it was zero inches apart when he was passing away. Um, just a really powerful story. Thank you, Kelly, for, for choosing us to put it on, basically. Even if she would have put it somewhere else, I hope I would have found it anyway, because that's, that's a really great piece of writing. And especially, yeah. like I said before, during the trade deadline season where there's there's not a whole lot of great baseball stuff to read, that was a really great breath of fresh air, I think. So back to boring trade deadline stuff, <laughs> or sort of. Um, so Nate Crow, the one who started the uh, the Mike Napoli firestorm, who, who's also at Hipster Tito on Twitter, he wanted to know more likely September expansion call-up, Schaefer or Nelly? I guess this is more of a, probably a prospect chat question, but do you think the Indians are going to call Richie Schaefer up, who's kind of like a versatile outfielder third baseman, or Nelly Rodriguez, who's a first baseman who can't hit, <laughs> or neither? Uh, Schaefer strikes me as more likely for September call-ups. Uh, I don't see either of them being up until rosters expand. Um, but yeah, I guess of the two, he's the one that jumps out at me more as someone we might see up. How about you? Um, probably, yeah, probably Schaefer. I don't, I I don't think Nelly's coming up at all this year. I think Schaefer can play the outfield. He can play left. He can play third base, which is at least a minor need of theirs. So I don't see Nelly coming up. I think he might have Although, the. And this isn't. Uh, not that there's no getting a, around this, but I don't know that either of those guys are actually on the 40 man roster right now, are they? I, I don't think they are. I feel like. No, I know Indy- Nelly isn't because he was left off of the, the Rule 5 draft and nobody even took him. So I know he's yeah. not there. I'm almost positive Schaefer isn't either. I feel like, yeah, I feel like the Indians, the guys who are on the 40-man roster that aren't on the 25-man roster, not counting the DL, I feel like it's almost all pitchers at this point. Um, yeah. I guess Naquin's got to be on it. Um, I feel like it's Naquin and a bunch of pitchers. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that could get moved around before then. If one of them's up, I would, I'd bet on Schaefer. A bunch of pitchers is basically... Terry Francona's dream, though. So, but you should talk to Brian about this again. One, he'll know more, and two, he'll have more enthusiasm for answering it. Whereas I'm like, whoever <laughs> comes up in September, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, although even even with somebody who follows prospects, it's hard to get excited about Nelly Rodriguez right now. 
Um, so Kelly Smith, the one who wrote that post, she commented uh, on the video. She said, thanks, guys, for talking about it. I'm really glad I chose Let's Go Tribe to post it on. I wanted to get out to as many fans, Indians fans as possible. I hope that's okay. I really appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys hosting the story for me and getting to see the comments and reactions has been incredible. That's awesome. Thank you again, Kelly. And again, and this is to put no, I mean, Kelly may have no interest in writing anything else. And I don't know what her, I mean, she's clearly a big baseball fan, but there's a difference between being a baseball fan and wanting to like write about baseball. She might have no interest in it, but I, I will say one of my, I don't know if regrets is even the right word, but more than two years of running Let's Go Tribe and bringing a number of new writers on, um, I'm sort of disappointed that I, I never brought a woman onto the staff um, just because I think it's sort of silly and outdated in this day and age. I mean, there's obviously a lot of really knowledgeable uh, Indians fans who are women. Uh, so anyone who's listening, if, if you're interested in writing about the Indians, uh, you should jump on Let's Go Tribe and write some fan posts because uh, it's 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 great coming across. You know, they're all just sort of unexpected surprises because you never know when there's even going to be a fan post or what the quality of it's going to be like. Um, but if you're listening, th there's no rules about who can and can't write one. So if you've got something about the Indians, whether it's deeply personal, like Kelly's story was, or, you know, you're digging into which Josh Tomlin, Trevor Bauer, which one's worse, uh, whatever you want to write about it, you should jump on and write it. Yeah, absolutely. It's we've, There's always a variety of stuff there. There is, there's some people who contribute like big statistical analysis reports and then there's stuff like Kelly's. There's, there's all kinds of stuff in fan posts. And yeah, like you said, I encourage everybody to write. And if you ever want to be a writer on Let's Go Chive, that's how we grab people is from fan posts. I get a few email, emails from people asking and I, my answer is always, even if we're not looking for anybody, just say you write fan posts and we usually grab from there because we want people from the community. It's usually we never want to just pick someone random who would just come in and not know anything about let's go tribe because so much of it is the comments and knowing about everybody and who you're writing for. Yep. All right. So the last sort of schedule thing we're going to talk about here is juiced baseball spring. Uh, you want to talk about this one because those dingers, uh, there's been a lot of them. Although I looked it up this year. It's, it doesn't seem like the Indians are being, are benefiting from it a whole lot. I guess it's because in general, they haven't hit well, but, their slugging percentage this year coming into today was 435. Last year it was 430. Um, I remember last year was the year the Indians were talking about it because Jason Kipnis hit all those home runs. Uh, Santana and Napoli both hit 30. I think Napoli hit a career high last year. Uh, Rajai Davis hit a career high last year. Lindor is probably going to set a career high this year. And, of course, Jose Ramirez crushed his career high this year. So, so yeah, what do you think about – do you think the balls are juiced at all or is, is what is causing all these balls to leave? Yeah, no, I do. I think – uh, like a month ago, uh, Ben Lindbergh, who I think even currently writes at a number of places, um, but this post at least was at The Ringer, uh, and he's credited as the author, although in the article I think he, uh, he said he sort of co-authored it with uh, Mitchell Lickman, who uh, sabermetric-inclined Saber fans will know as the co-author uh, of the book. Uh, anyway, the two of them, uh, Lickman like bought a, he bought a bunch of balls on eBay because home runs shot up in the second half of 2015. And so I guess he went on and bought like dozens of baseballs on eBay that had been like MLB authenticated from particular games. And he bought like half of them were from before the All-Star break in 2015 and half of them were from after the All-Star break in 2015. And some lab ran a whole bunch of tests and they found like significant differences between the balls in terms of um, like seam height and sort of bounciness for lack of a more technical word. Uh, and the post all-star break balls would absolutely travel farther. Um, now MLB, because that sort of spike starting in the second half of 2015 has continued. The home run rate compared to three years ago, compared to like 2014, is the biggest three-year jump in home runs in history, bigger than when the dead ball era ended, bigger than when World War II ended and like a lot of the real stars came back from that, um, bigger than the 90s when offense exploded. Uh, MLB has claimed, you know, oh, like, no, you know, we test all our balls that are all within like the range of acceptable something, something, something. But the thing about that is the range of acceptable something, something, something is pretty big. 
And so you can change the ball quite a bit and still have it be within the like published guidelines for the ball. Um, so I absolutely think the ball is different and think that's the biggest factor in home runs being up. I'm sure there are other factors too, but I would guess a different ball is the biggest. So then the question is, did Major League Baseball ask for that change in the ball or did it just sort of happen for like, you know, the, the factory where they're made, something changed there? And that I think is like potentially a mystery, but I'm pretty confident the ball is different and that's the biggest difference. If baseball didn't want the ball to be different, I'm pretty sure they would have caught that like immediately and had somebody change it. I do believe that it's in the range of their acceptableness. <laughs> I do think like they have a certain range of like the balls can be so smooth and so not smooth to cause more home runs. And they're just sort of letting it go towards the higher end or even mandating it, that it go towards the higher end. But I do wonder if they didn't expect like at the same time as they're altering the balls, everybody starts swinging up in the air. I don't know which of those yeah, came first necessarily. Smaller factors. I just feel like, I don't know. To me, because the ball has changed before and we know a, a different ball will travel differently. Like 1987 offense, which I know you weren't alive then, but 1987 <laughs> like offense shot up um, and it was a different ball. And then I can't remember if it was Japan or Korea. It was like a scandal in pretty recently where like they changed the ball without telling anyone uh, and, you know, offense went way up. So to me, the ball is much more likely to be the driving factor than a certain percentage of players altering their swing X amount. And if the if Major League Baseball isn't telling us what it is and they're being so secretive about it, we're not really going to know, like when it. Other than we can look at the data and see it changed here, like we're not going to know for sure if there's a difference in the ball or or what really changed. Like if the home runs go back down next year, do we know it was the balls for sure, or is it I don't know something else that people are scouting and changing in their swings i don't know i think it is a small change like you said the swing there, but... for someone to buy a bunch of them off ebay and test them again i guess <laughs> or that guy who catches all the baseballs he can will go by him <laughs> but yeah i think there's there's something i don't think it's too terrible of a change they've made i just think it's any kind of tiny change well i mean i think people generally like home runs so to the extent that major league baseball would be intentionally tinkering with things uh, you know, it's not surprising that they would want more home runs. Although the last time they wanted more home runs and got more home runs, it eventually sort of blew up in their face when people later decided that they hated all of those home runs because of uh, steroids and whatnot. So uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, would, like in terms of what kind of baseball would you prefer? So home runs are up pretty significantly over the last three years. Um, walks are also up fairly significantly. Um, strikeouts are up a little bit as they kind of always are over history. Do you think more walks, more strikeouts and more home runs uh, is better baseball, worse baseball, not better or worse? I think it's a little worse. I don't mind strikeouts. I don't mind walks, but I don't know. There's something about the, how long, like the celebration of a wacky play in the infield lasts or a play getting in the gap that lasts. Like if, if it's a solo home run, they hit the home run, it's over. They round the base, they scored. But like when there's a there's a dramatic play happening, it, it's way more exciting. That's to me, that's the exciting part of baseball. The home runs are exciting because they score and they go far. But but watching a center fielder track down a ball and either dive or miss it or dive and make a catch, and then all the interaction on the base pass, there's so much more of baseball that gets lost if we're just hitting home runs, striking out, and walking. So I don't think it's the end of baseball, but it's not the kind of baseball that I necessarily like to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I have a great deal of respect for players who draw a lot of walks. I mean, it's one of the Carlos Santana who's been so divisive during his time with the Indians and I've always loved him. And, you know, Joey, like I have a ton of respect for guys who do that. That said, there's really nothing less dynamic and compelling to watch <laughs> than a walk. So, you know, more and more walks, I don't think, uh, you know, it's more base runners, so I guess it increases the chances for, you know, stuff happening on the bases. But, you know, games being longer, pitchers are taking longer, there's more pitches per inning. Uh, you know, baseball's also said they wanted to cut down on game length, uh, and I don't think the ball change is going to have that effect, or has had that effect. 
Yeah, I do. One of my favorite things, though, is in terms of walks, I do like watching a pitcher, how you can slowly see him unravel when he's giving up so many walks in a row. So that's one reason I do like walks. I like the end of like a pitcher's outing. We can see him starting to break, and you can tell something's probably going to happen with the offense. And either it does in a big explosion of happiness, or if they're Indians and there's a runner on second, they're, they get a double play. But for the most part, I like that. I like the whole the interaction between the pitcher's effectiveness and what the batter does and more than just home runs. I've, I don't know. I think we all think home runs are exciting because we're supposed to, because they're hit hard and they go really far, but there's so much more in baseball. that's more exciting than home runs to me. Well, then you must be happy that Carlos Santana, despite his two home runs, <laughs> not going to match his total from last year. As far as watching my team win. Sure. I like home runs more, but especially what there. How about watching neutral teams? Would you rather watch just a bunch of home runs or like, a lot of singles and walks and dramatic infield plays and diving outfielders. It's the home run. Well, when you put playing. it that way, I do, you know, diving. Well, I kind of went but, to. <laughs> most balls in play don't lead to diving outfielders or things like that either. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think as much as anything, like, I just don't notice while I'm watching the game. I'm not like, gosh, the home run rate is clearly up so much or walk rate is clearly <laughs> up. Like, on a game by game basis. What I do notice is. Partially games are a little longer. Partially I'm just at a point in my life where it's harder to get the same amount of time set aside to watch a baseball game. Like a baseball game that goes nine innings but takes three hours and 20 minutes to me is just too long. So I do think whatever, you know, reasonably can be done. Um, But I think that has more to do with pitch clock and actually enforcing it and stuff like that. you know, potentially shortening commercial breaks, but I think that's probably not going to happen for money. Uh, but I really, this year, for the first time in my life, I have often felt like this game is just taking too damn long. <laughs> These dang kids in their long games. We got time for this. <laughs> I, the one thing about home runs that I do think is good is that it creates Aaron judges. Like the more nobody gets excited over a season of, I guess, well, I guess some people might, but like. Nobody's like, oh, his on-base percentage is so high. It's the home runs that attract like the kind of fans that baseball needs to attract a game. So maybe that, I guess, is the good part. But as far as watching games by themselves, I prefer other stuff. But altogether, I guess the fact that it makes Aaron Judge-type players is good for baseball. Yeah, although Aaron Judge probably would be hitting – his home runs probably don't need the juiced ball. <laughs> he wouldn't have as many, though. No, probably not. But, like – He'd, let's say he'd have, you know, 25 instead of 30 or whatever it is right now. He'd still probably be leading the league, and he'd be on the Yankees. Like a, a, a Yankees rookie leading the league in home runs is going to become, really quickly, he's going to become, you know, a superstar. Uh, Logan Morrison's hitting a ton of home runs, but no one cares. As he told us, he was very sure to point that out, that nobody cares that he's hitting home runs. So uh, Brian Spoko or Brian Sopko on the live chat right now, he said, this team is a GM nightmare. If everyone plays remotely to potential, there are too many holes, but how do you make moves accordingly? Thanks for the question, Brent. Um, I think you're wrong though. I don't, if everyone plays to potential, there are too many holes. Everyone, how do you make, I don't think there are too many holes. I don't know what you, if everybody plays potential, this is like an a hundred win team over a full season. <laughs> So I don't know what exactly what he means. I, he says there's a huge hole at catching. That makes sense. But if everyone plays the potential, nothing needs to be done. But if they don't, there are an awful lot of holes. Oh, he's saying there aren't many holes. Oh, okay. Never mind. I agree with you then, Brent. Sorry. I thought you were saying there are too many holes, but he missed the animus thing. Okay. So he's saying that it's not easy to see where to upgrade. And I agree. We've talked about that before, that there's no real – you're going to have to sell a lot of players to get an upgrade over almost anybody. But you clearly need some kind of upgrade, but it's just hard to find one. I just I just don't even think they need an upgrade. I think they're fortunate to be in a crappy division. Uh, I still think they'll get, I mean, maybe they are starting to get things going right now, but uh, I think they're going to benefit from being able to win the division, even if they only win like 85 games. Uh, and then either things are going to be clicking come October or they're not. And, it, you know, they have a roster – Last year's show, they can clearly get to the World Series if they're in the postseason. Uh, they shouldn't be any less healthy than they were last October. Uh, but, 
you know, the 1995 Indians didn't win the World Series. Like the, the, the postseason, what's going to happen is going to happen. And I know that's not satisfying and I know that's sort of a cop-out answer, but it's also just sort of true. Like they, they don't need any upgrades to get to the postseason. And then either guys hit the way they're capable of hitting and pitch the way they're capable of pitching and they get a couple breaks and they win the World Series or like nine of the 10 teams that make the postseason, they don't win the World Series. I, I agree with part of like, Whatever happens in the happens in the postseason, but what you're doing now is you're getting all the leverage you can to make the better things happen, like to play the odds to have the better things happen. So, like getting the Azubel Cabreras or Eduardo Nunez's or who want to get crazy, the Lance Lins is all trying to help that percentage get bumped in the playoffs. You don't, just, I don't know if you just sit and just say whatever happens happens. We're going to win the See, division. The is, I, to me, Azubel Cabrera doesn't move the needle. He doesn't. He he doesn't move the percentage to me. Like at all, or just enough to even bother trading for him? I guess at all, yeah. Almost at all, yeah. I, I mean, he's like—I can't believe he. I mean, he's only—he's apparently only thirty-one, which is shocking to me. It shouldn't be, <laughs> because I'm an Indians fan, and so I should know how young he was when he—you know—he broke through in two thousand seven. Um, but you know, as an Indians fan, he's been someone I've known about for more than a decade right now. So he—he he, he does not look like a thirty-one-year-old. He's not. That's one of the one either. That you'll experience in a few years. I'm 37 now, so if I were a Major League Baseball player, I'd be an old Major League Baseball player. And it's really weird that someone like Esdrubal Cabrera, who seems <laughs> like an old baseball player, is six years younger than me. <laughs> I already have some of that from the really young players, like Bryce Harper. Well, not Bryce Harper anymore, but who was it? The the third baseman the Red Sox just caught up. What is he, like 20 or 21? That's six years younger yeah. than me. So I think that's the thing now. It'll be much more weird when, like, guys, my, most guys my age are too old to be playing baseball anymore. That, that's much different than I can remember <laughs> the first time someone younger than me broke through too. But uh, you'll have to you you can check back with me in ten years. It's it, it's much more weird when <laughs> players older than you, younger than you, are retiring because they're just too old to hack it anymore. Until I get to then, I think my measuring stick is p players born after 2000 is going to be weird to me. The fact that I like grew up in the 2000s and then there's kids who were just born after that and they start playing is going to be extremely weird. But yeah, when I'm older than players who... You could almost be a coach soon, Jason. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's that's my plan. Were you a catcher in a past well, life and now you can be a coach? Mr. Cabrera, I don't... I mean... I just don't think he changes anything. Uh, and he's the I lesser of the ones listed. I think Nunez is a, at least enough to bump the percentage up a little bit. Lance Lynn is a lot, although they haven't been connected to him. But yeah, no, Lance Lynn would be a significant upgrade for the rotation because he's not Trevor Bauer or Josh Tomlin. Right. Um, but, I mean, to go back to the question, I just feel like there's they're not going to trade for a star. And I just don't think the potential upgrade – it's just not going to be worth wringing your hands over if they don't make any trades. If they don't make any trades, the trade that they didn't make is not something that was going to be a huge difference maker. There's not – the equivalent of Andrew Miller is not possibly going to join the Indians this week. Yeah, that's I agree with that completely. If they don't make a trade, it's not a huge deal. But if they do, it's it'll help a little bit, I think. So that's all our questions. Um, Brian, we got – oh, God damn it. Jason. Your name is Jason. We got <laughs> – it's because I usually ask him questions, so I always say Brian first, and I'm used to that before Jason. Um, but Jason, uh, we got some games coming up. The Indians are going to be playing the Angels and the White Sox. Angels have a pretty good player in Mike Trout, and the White Sox don't. <laughs> they're they're, they're kind of like complete opposite teams. The Angels are old and aging and have one superstar, and the White Sox are young and going to get younger eventually, and they have one almost superstar. So what are you looking forward to in these series coming up? Uh, well, I look forward to seeing Mike Trout play. He's the, the best baseball player on the planet. Uh, I Obviously, I hope he has a bad series, but uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's going to get to bat against – he won't get to bat against Tomlin, but he's going to bat against Bauer. And Trevor, feel free to make me eat my words, but I've, Mike Trout's better at baseball at you, than you are. Um, Mike Clevin is going to have to face him too looking forward to I'll actually be at Friday night's game so it'll be my first and probably only in-person baseball game during this first season as a father but I'll be at the game Friday night uh, and I'm glad I won't be seeing Trevor Bauer pitch that game <laughs> uh, yeah the White Sox have 
best farm system in baseball right now. Um, no reason to really worry about them winning the AL Central this year or the next couple of years, but they've done a, an impressive job of collecting a ton of minor league talent. Uh, but yeah, the flip side to that is, and by Friday they might have traded away two more of the, you know, they've still got Jose Abreu would seem to be their big trading chip at this point. Um, who knows what their roster will look like by, by the time I'm there Friday night. Yeah, it's crazy to me that they're not even done yet with trading away other pieces. That they still have Jose Abreu and they wouldn't trade like Tim Anderson, would they? He's still really young. Yeah, they wouldn't trade him. To interrupt ourselves, talking about the juice baseball, and I said Aaron Judge would still be hitting a ton of home runs. Mike Moustakis is going to break the Royals' home run record, which Steve Balboni has held for like 31 years or something, which is insane that no one in the Royals has ever hit more than, I think, 36 home runs. Uh, Mike Moustakis just hit his 29th home run, and it was a dinky home run that with a proper <laughs> baseball would not have gotten out. Mike Moustakis is the guy who's benefiting from the changed baseball, not Aaron Judge. Yeah, without looking at it, I'm assuming he's having a bunch of those just barely get out of the wall. Yeah, But the Royals are going to keep them. They're going to hold on to them. <laughs> I'm so glad for it. So are you taking your daughter to the White Sox game, or are you not – she's not oh, going to bother? Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, I don't begrudge people who bring their infants to baseball games. Um, I think there are some good reasons to do it. Uh, but, I mean, she can't even sit up on her own at this point. So I'm not – I don't want to have to be – she would – a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, go to the movies, go do stuff. The baby will just sleep. Like, oh, no, don't go to the movies. It's not that baby. I, I know there are babies who can be brought to a movie theater and just – sleep for two and a half hours uh my baby would be crying and i could not be one of those people with a crying baby in a theater because those people are the worst uh, <laughs> I was say, i'd like to refute that information don't bring a baby to movie theater even if you think it'll sleep it probably won't <laughs> no no she will be seeing this one out uh, we'll find some other time for her first baseball game uh now this will be my opportunity to to get out of the house for the night for the first time in five months. Now, can she play third base? Have the, the White Sox contacted you about maybe like Jose Abreu swap or anything? Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> the Indians can pick up Abreu to be that DH bat they want. There you go. They don't need that guy there now. Carlos Santana is back to hitting home runs and doing things. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how quick that the, the slumping Carlos Santana already looks bad after like a week. Wait, he's having a good I will say... The two home runs were clearly the best part of his game tonight. I was also happy to see him draw a walk because he's been having a really good July, but he only walked four times a month. His walk rate is down this season and was way down this month, which is a pretty small sample. But, uh, I mean, one of the things that's made him an impact player has been his ability just to get on base. And so the drop in his walk rate has been... uh, if not as disappointing as the drop in his home runs, has been more surprising. So uh, if he gets going, uh, you know, the way he often does get going, uh, the Indians could pull away in the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, that's the same. That's true for a lot of players. I mean, <laughs> we've, we've said they can't be this bad forever, and it looks like they finally might not be. So I think we'll see you over the next week. Anyway, that's our episode this week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, Jason, talk to you next week. Sounds good. Sounds good.